Did you know that 5% of adults, 18 or older, experience mental illness in any one year? The equivalent of 43. million people. 14.4% of the American adult population have a documented mental health disorder. Documented by Rubina Capil, February 2019, in an article for USA Mental Health and FirstAid.org. Major depression is one of the most common mental disorders in the U.S. For some individuals, major depression can result in impairments that interfere with or limit one's ability to carry out major life activities. Reported by the National Institute of Mental Health. An estimated 17.3 million adults in the U.S. had at least one major depressive episode in 2017. The presence of major depressive disorder was higher in adult females, 8.7%, compared to males, 5.3%, according to the National Institute of Mental Health. 18.1% of, of adults in the United States have experienced a form of anxiety disorder, including PTSD, CPTSD, and all major or minor phobias according to National Alliance on Mental Health. There is a wide variety of anxiety disorders that differ by the objects or situations that induce them, but share features of excessive anxiety and related behavioral disturbances. Anxiety disorders can interfere with daily activities like job performance, relationships, and school, defined by the National Institute of Mental Health. An estimated 19.1% of American adults experienced an anxiety disorder in 2017. An estimated 31.1% of U.S. adults have or will experience an anxiety disorder at some point in their lives. Post-traumatic stress disorder, commonly referred to as PTSD, can develop after exposure to a potentially traumatic event that is beyond typical stress. Events that may lead to PTSD include, but are not limited to, violent personal assaults, natural or human-caused disasters, accidents, combat, domestic violence, and other types of personal violence. Exposure to events like this is common. About half of the United States adult population will experience at least one traumatic event in their lives, but most will not develop PTSD. People who experience PTSD may have persistent frightening thoughts and memories of the event, which can cause any number of problems from insomnia, disassociation, or skittish behavior. In severe forms of PTSD, PTSD can significantly impair a person's ability to function at work, school, home, or socially. Did you notice a pattern in any of those? Every single one of the mental illnesses that I listed have the potential to impede one's ability to function. These are all illnesses that I deal with on a daily basis. Statistics are supposed to make you feel part of a collective group and let you know that you're not alone. Well, that's not how I feel about it. The statistic makes me feel sad. I am a part of this giant group of people who are supposed to be unfunctional. I'm your host, Megan Page, and this is a podcast dedicated to sharing personal growth stories and inspirational life experiences. You're listening to Persistently Growing. deals with this dysfunction as a facet of life, I've made several decisions to become the best that I could be so that I can have the life that I want. I want to be an example to other people who suffer from mental illness that yes, you can have a good life because I'm not settling for mediocre. 
For inspiration, I look to some really well-known celebrities that suffer from the same issues that I do. First, Channing Tatum has never been on my radar, but recently Twitter has blown up with Channing Tatum ranting about a cool app he found about astrology and how it connected to his therapy session that day. He paused for just a second to say, yeah, 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 I go to therapy. Everybody should go to therapy, which was a really nice, subtle highlight into the life of a celebrity who also deals with mental health issues and is normalizing therapy didn't go into a lot of talking about it. He was just like, yep, I go to therapy. That's it. Another person I look up to is Adele, who I've always enjoyed reading about, listening to her music. She told Vanity Fair, I can slip in and out of depression quite easily. She suffered severe postpartum depression after her son was born and didn't know who she could reach out to about it. This is something that a lot of people in the world of mental health mention that they don't know who they can turn to for help. Emma Stone, whose role in EZA has always given me the courage to be the slightly rebellious woman that I am today, told the Wall Street Journal, the first time I had a panic attack, I was sitting in my friend's house and I thought the house was going to burn down. I called my mom and she brought me home. For the next three years, it wouldn't stop. I would ask my mom to tell me exactly how the day was going to be, then ask again later. I just needed to know that no one was going to die and nothing was going to change, which is something I can relate to. I immediately think back to when I lived in my hometown, how I could, how I would call every single one of my relatives when I heard any sort of emergency responder siren, fire truck, ambulance, police car. I would immediately see one of my family members dead on the sidewalk for no apparent reason. I would go to such extreme lengths as to pinpoint where the siren was coming from and going to, and I learned the difference between fire truck police and ambulance sirens so that I could figure out what was going on and who might be involved. And I ended up doing this most of my entire high school life. Carrie Fisher, this iconic woman who inspired many, revealed to Diane Sawyer, I have a chemical imbalance that is that in its most extreme state will lead me to a mental hospital. I used to think that I was a drug addict, pure and simple, just someone who could not stop taking drugs willfully, and that was that. But it turns out that I'm a severely manic depressive. You can't stop. It's super painful. It's raw, you know, like rough. Your bones burn when you're not busy talking or trying to drown it out. She was really well known for fighting to destigmatize mental health disorders. J.K. Rowling, despite some of her downfalls, I thank her dearly for her series Harry Potter for teaching us all many things. She opened up in an interview with Oprah about her depression. I think I had tendencies toward depression from quite young. It became really acute when I was sort of between the ages of 25 and 28. It was a really dark time for me. It's this absence of feeling, and it's even the absence of hope that you can feel better. It's so difficult to describe to someone who's never been there because it's not sadness. Sadness isn't a bad thing. To cry and to feel isn't bad, but depression is this cold absence of feeling, a really hollowed out feeling, and that's what the dementors are. And it was because of my daughter that I went out and I got help. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, a well-known WWE wrestler and TV actor, talked about his depression in a 2018 ITV interview. Depression doesn't discriminate. Regardless of who you are or what you do for a living, it doesn't care. The key that I found is, especially for guys, you have to talk about it. You're not alone. 
Ariana Grande has spoken out about her anxiety and PTSD. Ryan Reynolds, beloved Deadpool actor, revealed that he suffered from bouts of horrible anxiety and that I have been in the depths of the darker end of the spectrum, which is not fun. And lastly, Robin Williams, the beloved actor and comedian who played many beloved characters who took his life at 63 in 2014. He was open about his depression and long-standing battle with alcohol and drug abuse. It's just literally being afraid. And you think, oh, the alcohol will ease it. And it doesn't. It's just fearfulness and anxiety. These are just a few of my personal role models. There are more than just these people who have opened up about their issues and how they've been dealing with them their whole lives or as the symptoms arrive. I've dealt with hereditary depression since I was really young and then developed CPTSD, complex PTSD, and anxiety from some of the situations I've lived through. Growing up in constant fear of what was around me was detrimental to my physical and mental health. I think the biggest slap in the face for my need to grow was during college, during an interpersonal communications class. We had to set up a gift bag. On the outside was our outer characteristics, how you present it publicly. The inside was stuff that you might keep to yourself or only a few people knew about you. And then the bottom of the bag was something that you didn't know about yourself that you had to ask others about and learn about yourself, which was the purpose of the exercise. I reached out to a few people from high school and asked them what they thought I was like. I picked three or four people who weren't close friends in high school, but were still around me often in clubs or classes. Several told me that I had a constant resting bitch face, which is what I ended up using for the bag. But every single person I reached out to told me that I shook constantly throughout high school. Some people said it seemed like I was a chihuahua in human skin. I knew then that I had really bad anxiety, but I didn't know that it constantly showed. A part of me was angry that no one reached out to help me, but I had to take a step back and realize not everybody feels equipped to help somebody in high school. During that time in high school, I was dealing with a lot. The normal teenage depression, anxiety, major life changes, intense school, bullying, and a lot more. I rarely ate because my stomach always hurt and most likely from the constant anxiety. Then at night when I would, was finally able to calm down, I wouldn't let myself eat because I felt I didn't deserve to eat. I was a morbid 114 pounds for a really long time. This is not a healthy weight for a woman who is 5 foot 5 inches tall and whose family is wider than most. I got them birthing hips as somebody might say in the old west. Um, eventually I found some things that helped me start eating and I started to gain weight, which of course sparked new issues, all linked back to the anxiety and depression. But this isn't a ramble for pity or any sympathy that I'm trying to garner. I'm not trying to say that I have a horrible life. This is a story about growth and this is where my story begins. I graduated and I could see a light at the end of this tunnel. After moving to college, I became annoyed with how much my social media was pumping sadness into my head, and I realized I was following a lot of pages and people who were lost in sadness. I felt sympathy and camaraderie with them, but I knew I needed to move on and find more inspirational, positive things to show up. 
One account I came across was The Latest Cape. She's an artist who is dedicated to sharing her artwork with inspirational messages across the internet to help others with the same issues that she's dealt with. Her homepage on Patreon says, Hello, welcome to my Patreon page. I'm Kate Allen, a writer and illustrator who argues against negativity and false perceptions with kind, colorful animals. My aim is to help people feel less burdened and more hopeful. I try to make content, content that I like to see, artwork that is approachable, adorable, and ultimately useful. I immediately signed up for her email list, and I receive a new photo every morning. I don't always look at them, but I do have them organized into a folder on my email so that when I'm having a really tough time, I can specifically go to that folder and hopefully feel better. Now that I've cleaned out my social medias, I've started running into more and more positive things. Sometimes I run into things that make me sad, but then lift me up. One of these things is a song by American rapper Logic, released April 2017. The song's title is 1-800-273-8255, which is the number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. The song features singer-songwriters Alessia Cara and DJ Khalid, along with artists Six and Chainsmokers Drew Taggart. I really do apologize if I mispronounce anybody's name. Um, I really like this song because it drew me in while I was sad with the lyrics, I don't want to be alive, I just want to die today, I just want to die and slowly lifted my hopes as the song continued, turning into a more positive conversation about how they want to live and it's okay to be alive and you're not alone. Being the giant nerd that I am, I had to look up the song's origins and discovered that Logic wanted to convey that suicide is never the answer and that help is always available at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. The song was released in partnership with NSPL. He tells in an interview about the interactions that he had with fans, where his fans would say things like, You saved my life. Your music saved my life. At first, he didn't know how to take in this information and was confused and unsure of how to react. But then later, he realized he had this amazing power as an artist to help people. According to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, in the three weeks following the single's release, calls directed to the NSPL raised by 27% while visits to their website increased from 300,000 to 400,000. After the MTV Music Award performance, usage of the line rose to 50% and was reportedly due to the group's performance and singer-songwriter Kesha's speech while presenting them. The group collectively attributed the performance to Soundgarden lead vocalist Chris Cornell and Linkin Park's lead vocalist Chester Bennington, who both died by suicide in 2017. One thing that has helped me feel less alone with my struggles is reaching out to people and finding validation in, a no in the knowledge that others struggle with the same issues. I had to pull back from helping others as much as I wanted to. It was a big struggle for me. I'm a caregiver. I want to help people. It's my first reaction when I hear sadness and pain is to reach out and tell other people how much they're loved. Because in my brain, if I see someone suffering the way that I'm suffering, it's not allowed. I, I know how much pain that I'm in or that I was in. And when I see somebody going through the same thing, I just can't let them do it. Part of my heart goes, I know that feeling and it sucks. Please let me take it from you but it wasn't helping me. So I pulled back and 
I know that it's not it's not because I'm being selfish. It's because I'm trying to better myself so that I can help others in the future. But because I know how important it was for me to interact with others and to hear from my icons that they suffered too, I feel compelled to share my ever-growing story with whoever might need it. That's why this exists, this podcast. I don't want anyone to ever feel alone. I want you to know that there's at least one person out here rooting for you to keep growing and to keep fighting. You've got this. And if hearing it from me in normal people words isn't enough, maybe you'll listen to this poem by Nikita Gill. It took 3.8 billion years of triumphant evolution, remarkable collision, and unbelievable confluence made by sheer will and influence of this infinite universe and all of the stars to get you here. I hope you never doubt again that even when you are in pain, that you are a miracle and that every part of you is incredible. I really hope that this podcast is of value to so many people. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Persistently Growing. I'm your host, Megan Page. If you'd like to contribute your story of growth or inspiration, email me at mavenpage at gmail.com. That's M-A-E-V-Y-N-P-A-I-G-E at gmail.com. Or find my Facebook page, Persistently Growing. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.